This is Shannon Ray Davis, and you are listening to Omega Man Radio. Welcome to my world, the world of the Omega Man. Join us here for the nightly marathon, broadcasting Monday through Friday, and we encourage you to report for duty. Get trained up. War of the Saints is coming. You want to be an overcomer and endure till the end. We will teach you how. We cast out devils. We command healing to the sick in Jesus' name. And we preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ to win souls for Jesus. If you'd like to support this work financially, we have a PayPal button on our website. We have GoFundMe, Zelly, even Take Bitcoin. And we thank you in advance for partnering with us. Our website is omegamanradio.com. One more thing before we start tonight's show. To the demons, tuning in. We're coming for you, demon. No demon is safe. Shannon, how are you? Hey, doing good, Dr. Hanson. I'm excited to be here with uh, Dr. Hanson of World Ministries International and the WMI team uh, here today on Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Dr. Hanson, would you like to open us in prayer and then the microphone is yours. Father God, we just love and praise you, Lord, again for who you are. We pray that we understand who you are more and more. Because as we can move with your Holy Spirit, then we can do the things that you did on earth, operating with power and authority. Let every person that tunes in now, Lord, just be aware of the relationship they can have with you the intimacy they can have with you. Let them be aware, dear God, of the time frame we are in history, that we're approaching a point of no return. Bless tonight's program. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to talk tonight a little bit on the plumb line and who is the Holy Spirit. This is Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the warning program. Wherever you're watching or listening, welcome. We're in our college chapel here at World Ministries International. This is a live audience. It's a staff service we hold every week for our staff and their families. Now, I'm going to talk today on the plumb line. The plumb line. The Bible is one-third prophecy. Scholars believe 90% of these prophecies are for today. Amos has some of the strongest end-time prophecies in the entire Bible. Amos 1, 1 through 2. The words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders of Tycho, which he saw concerning Israel in the day of Uzziah, king of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. He said, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. 
The pastures of the shepherds mourn and the top of Carmel withers. Note, different scholars believe this is talking about a cosmic holocaust, a nuclear holocaust. God is about to send nuclear fire as judgment for continual unrepented sins. Also note, the scriptures next talks about the cup of iniquity explained in my book, The Science of Judgment. If you don't have your copy, worldministries.org, worldministries.org, order it. 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248. We can take it over the telephone. As our sins continue to mount up to the point of overflowing and our cup of grace overflows, then judgment starts to be poured out and increases till we either repent or are destroyed. Amos 1, 4 through 14. But I will send a fire into the house of Hazel, which shall devour the palaces of Ben-Hadon. I will also break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Athan. And the one who has holds a scepter from Ben-Eden. Now, the scepter is authority, the leader. The people of Syria shall go captive to Ker, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza, Gaza. We're hearing Gaza all the time now in the news. And for four, I will not turn away its punishment. In other words, as it increases the cup of iniquity. Because they took captive the whole captivity to deliver them to Edom, I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza. They just took captive 250 people, kidnapped, brutally, murdered 1,400, cut up women and children, which shall devour its palaces. I will cut off the inhabitants of Ashdod. I've been to Ashdod. And the one who holds the scepter of Ashkelon, I've been to Ashkelon. These are in Israel. I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. As the cup of iniquity increases, punishment is certain. Because they delivered up the whole captivity to Edom, did not Remember the covenant of brotherhood, but I will send fire upon the wall of Tyre, which shall devour its palaces. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not turn away punishment. Once again, the cup of iniquity principle, the science of judgment. Because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity, his anger tore perpetually and he kept his wrath forever. I will send fire upon Teman and shall devour the palaces of Basra. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the people of Ammon and for four, I will not turn away punishment because they ripped open the children with child and gilded. That just happened again. And they might enlarge their territory. I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah and it shall devour its palaces amid shouting in the day of battle and a tempest in the day of the whirlwind. Ladies and gentlemen, judgment is falling on Gaza. It's falling on the United States. It's falling on Britain. It's falling on Israel and other countries. Amos 2, 2 through 5. I was in fire upon Moab. It shall devour the palaces of Kurath. 
Moab shall die with tumult, with shouting and trumpet sound, and I will cut off the judge from its midst and slay all the princesses with him, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. Because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments, their lies led them astray, lies where their fathers followed, but I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Now note, God, the Lion of Judah, is roaring. He wants his true family, his tribe, to be roaring lions against corruption and the sins in our nation. God needs his lions to roar. And come against the sins of abomination, idolatry, immorality, killing the innocent, and dividing the land of Israel. That bring judgment on people and nations. Amos 3, 4 through 6. Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has caught nothing? Will a bird fall into a snare on the earth when there is no trap for it? Will a snare spring up from the earth if it has caught nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? Sounding the alarm, we're sounding the alarm, we're warning. Judgment is coming. Judgment is certain. Amos 7, 7. This is what he showed me. The Lord is standing by a wall that has been built true to the plumb with a plumb line in his hand. Amos 7, 7. NIV was the first one. King James, New King James version, the second. Thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. Note, Amos is directed at Israel as well as those nations descended from Israel, primarily Britain and the United States. I do not believe in a replacement theology, but I do know that many descendants from Israel migrated to Britain and the United States and that America has more Jews living in New York City alone than in the nation of Israel itself. The reason why Great Britain and the United States of America have become such great nations is because of Judeo-Christian values. But now these nations are declining and self-imploding as well as Israel because of their sins. Not the least is homosexuality. Tel Aviv, San Francisco are homosexual capitals of the world. And Great Britain and the allies of these nations all tolerate and celebrate LGBTQ. Consequently, they will all fall under judgment called the sins of abomination. See my book again, The Science of Judgment. Worldministries.org. 360-629-5248, order your copy. Israel, America, the British people, including Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, are facing humongous problems which only God can solve. They're not going to solve it themselves. They're going to have to turn back to God. No political candidate is going to solve it. Amos 7, 8. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. If you think Gaza, the attack from Gaza, is a problem, more is coming. Frankly, much worse. Note, God is passing through these nations for the last time. 
warning that there is extreme urgency to get their house in order. In other words, get right with God or destruction is coming. It is at the door. It says for three, but four is certain. I will not turn my back. Amos 7, 9. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with a sword against the house of Jeroboam. Amos 7, 9, the Moffat translation, I will attack Jeroboam's house. Note, God is saying he will attack Jeroboam's house, meaning the nation he leads. The United States, led by modern-day Jeroboam, leads nations into sins of abomination. And because of these sins... America and other nations are accepting and following these sins. America and Israel, Britain, etc. will come under judgment because they are saying nothing in resistance, just following it. This is what the apostate church is doing, just following, not resisting, and challenging sin. We must be a roaring lion. We must come against it. We must challenge it. If not, you're going to come under judgment yourself. God holds the leader responsible, the government responsible, but he also holds the people responsible. Who are leaders? Not only our leaders, America people are going to be judged because we're not stopping it. Amos 7.10. And the church is not stopping it. The Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. True leaders are coming against true prophets. They're they're coming against true prophets. They're not welcome in churches. We can't bear to hear his words. We just want blessings, prosperity. When a true prophet is warning of certain judgment and it's at the door. But we don't want him in. The message is not encouraging. That's what they said about Amos. That's what they said about Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and all the prophets. Jeremiah, put him in a pit. He just comes and brings bad news. And they threw him in a pit. No, the prophet Amos is a true prophet, representing true ministers of the gospel today, who will not compromise with sin, but instead challenges people and leaders with sins instead of ignoring them. The church primarily is ignoring them. The church primarily is even accepting them. They're adopting their their values, alternate lifestyles. People and leaders do not want to hear the truth in Amos' day. And neither do they want to hear the truth today. Because they don't want to hear the truth, the word of the Lord, judgment falls. Judgment is certain. America has no hope without true prophets speaking up and the nation repenting. There is no hope. And no political leader will save us. Donald Trump will not save us if elected. He will only delay the toppling of the republic. I will make America great. God will make it great, Donald Trump, not you. Your vanity and your arrogance, accepting sins of abomination like homosexuality, America will come under judgment anyway, even if you're elected. And I hope you are to delay the toppling of the republic. But judgment is certain. Unless you, Donald Trump, repent and lead a repentance through this land, judgment is certain and you will not save it. Amos 7, 11 through 17. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword 
and Israel shall surely be laid captive from their own land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah. There eat bread, and there prophesy, but never again prophesy in Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary and is the royal residence. See, Amos is prophesying against the king. I've prophesied against presidents and prime ministers. We're supposed to be the Lion of Judah. We're supposed to be part of that tribe. We're supposed to roar. And if we don't roar, then they accept a lie. Saying nothing is accepting a lie. It's not in your heart, I'll pray about it. God doesn't care about you praying about it. Pray for yourself that you roar. And quit compromising. And taking his words out of context, you're supposed to rule and reign and occupy, take dominion, challenge sin, not just get on your knees and pray because you don't have the guts to speak the truth. Pray for yourself that you're a lion that roars. We're supposed to pray and we're supposed to pray properly. God, help me to do your will and that we open his mouth and roar. I hope you're hearing me, ladies and gentlemen. Praying alone is a violation of the word of God. It's heresy. Then Amos said and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and do not spout against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, your wife shall be a harlot in the city. Your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword. Now, this is Amos talking directly against a false spiritual advisor to the king. Your land shall be divided by survey line. You shall die in a defiled land. And Israel shall surely be led away captive from his own land. Amos 8, 11 through 14. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send famine on the land. Not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. We are not wanting to hear the words of the Lord in America. The emergent church accepts homosexuality. The churches under the Federal Council of Churches, the mainline churches, accept homosexuality, LGBT. Drag queens coming into churches in their elementary schools. Every variation of gender Sex mutilation for children. It's all accepted by the apostate church. They shall run to and fro seeking a word from the Lord, but shall not find it. Why? Because they reject true prophets. In that day, the fair virgins and strong young men shall faint from thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, as your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. Note, this is talking about God's own lukewarm Laosidian church who will lose their eternal lives, who will never rise again. Grace is coming to an end. God is using his small remnant church and ignoring them and urging them, urging them to roar as a lion in an attempt to wake up his people. Ignore the Laodicean church who wants you to keep quiet. God is urging you to open your mouth and roar. Not just smile so you avoid confrontation. God doesn't need your smile. He needs your obedience. 
He needs you to roar, to be his ambassador, to sound the alarm. Amos 9, 1 through 12, the destruction of Israel. I saw the Lord standing by the altar and he said, strike the doorposts and the three thresholds may shake and break them on the heads of them all. I will slay the last of them with a sword. He who flees from them shall not get away. And he who escapes from them shall not be delivered. You know, there's a saying, you can run, but you can't hide. Judgment is coming. Run all you want, O sinner man. You will die anyway. Though they dig into hell, and from there my hand shall take them. Though they climb to heaven, from there I will bring them down. Though they hide themselves on Mark Carmel, from there I'll search and take them. Though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, from there I'll command the serpent, and it shall bite them. Though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I'll command the sword, and it will slay them. And my set my eyes on them for harm and not good. God is saying, I will set my eyes on them for harm and not good, and nobody will stop me. Not your prayers. Not your worthless prayers. Obedience. Repentance. Or keep your prayers to yourself. The Lord of God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell therein mourn, and it shall be swell like the river, and subside like the river of Egypt. He who builds his lairs in the sky, and has founded his strata in the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea, and pours them out on the face of the earth, the Lord is his name. God is saying, I am God. There is no other gods or religions. Are you not like the people of Ethiopia to me, O children of Israel, says the Lord? Did I bring up Israel from the land of Egypt, the Philistines from Kephor, and the Syrians from Kerr? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yet I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations as grain is sifted in a sieve. Yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people should die by the sword. All the sinners in the church are going to be judged and die. If we don't get under the blood, the death angel is coming. You've heard me preach it over and over and over. If you don't get under the blood, when the plagues of God comes, you will die too. You, lukewarm church. Don't listen to false grace. It's not in the word of God. Obedience. Once saved, always saved is a lie. It's not in scripture. It is a flat lie. It's always saved if you stay under the blood. If you come out, the death angel strikes you. For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations as grain is sifted in a sieve. Yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground that I'm not looking at. All the sinners of my people will die by the sword. Who says the calamity shall not overtake nor confront us? Who says? In other words, who's the lying prophet? Who's the lying pastor that says it will not happen? On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. Repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as the days of old. 
that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. God is bringing judgment to bring people to repentance. Some will get saved and others will curse God and die. Sin is what brings judgment on people and nations. And sin is why God divided Solomon's kingdom and Jeroboam led the ten tribes of Israel. 1 Kings 11, 30-32. Then Ajai took hold of the new garment that was him and tore it in 12 pieces for the prophet of God. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give ten tribes to you. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. This is why it was divided because of sin. At one time, Jeroboam was a good servant, a good king, and he eventually turned bad. First Kings 12, 27 through 28. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they will kill me and go back to Jeroboam, king of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice, make two calves of gold and said to the people, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which you brought up from the land of Egypt. What is Jeroboam's sin? His sins include turning the nation to false religions and to the people followed and accepted as the lukewarm church is doing today. God only, not only judges Jeroboam who leads them, but he judges the people that follow and do not resist. You say, God should judge Obama, Clinton, Trump. Don't worry, he will, but he'll judge you too if we don't resist and turn, turn this thing around. 2 Kings 17, 21 through 23. For he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam. They walked in the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight as he has said by all his servants, the prophets, so Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria, as it is to this day. God does not only judge the bad leader, he judges the people that tolerate the bad leader. Gaza! You say, oh, we got to worry about the innocent Gazans. Let me tell you something. 75% of them now, the survey shows, support Hamas. And others hate the Constitution of the United States framed by Christians to be a republic under God. Why do they hate the Constitution? It represents God. The morality and values of God. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They have lied, lied, lied continually, shredding the Constitution to take the laws of God and God out of America. Donald Trump in 2016 became president of the United States, receiving more than 80% of the evangelical vote, including much of the Catholic vote. He is leading religious people, but the question is, where is he leading them? I boast I will make America great again. Not God will make America great again. Jeroboam made debt, many good things he did as, as the leader of the ten tribes. By the prophet of God, he was named the king. But then Jeroboam became evil and led Israel into sins of abomination and judgment. Donald Trump did many good things for America. 
and I was and still support him. I believe he will win the 2024 presidential election. But I also see the evil he has done by supporting homosexuality, relying on his own abilities so much that his pride is enormous, not giving true credit to God to make America great again. Without a great awakening that reaches the national repentance, Donald Trump will delay the toppling of the republic, but judgment is going to fall anyway. We've got to have another great awakening if we want to stop the republic from falling, if we want to save America. My website is worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org. Check it out. Check out Eagle Saving Nations. Join today. Again, we've got to get back to Pentecost, and that's what Eagles Saving Nations is all about. I'm going to speak today on who is the Holy Spirit. This is a subject that could go on every week for a year. I'm not going to do that, but uh, I do want to touch on it. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit As far as uh, Jesus, we'd say the baptism of Jesus is a prototype of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It preceded salvation. Matthew 3, 16 through 17, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love With him, I am well pleased. Again, I'm speaking from the chapel here at World Ministries International. It is a live audience with children. Luke 3, 21 through 22, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Okay, we noticed, first, the baptism of Jesus is a two-stage event. Jesus was first baptized in water, then he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Second, this two-step process is the usual way Christians encounter the Holy Spirit. First, we encounter him in salvation, then in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to uh, also read a little bit from Billy Graham. My research came obviously always from the Bible, but uh, Billy Graham has made some good comments. So is Pastor Luis Angel Diaz Pabon. And, you know, Billy Graham says, it's impossible to understand the Bible, Christian living, the structure of the church, or our own relationship with God without understanding the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Now, my wife, I've heard her say that, you know, the Holy Spirit's not an it. It's a person. The Bible says that he is not something. He is someone. He is God. So to understand, uh, we must understand there are three persons in the Trinity, not three gods, as far as what some people say, oh, you, you worship three gods. Well, we worship one God manifested three ways or three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Christian do not worship multiple gods. We don't worship multiple gods like in Hinduism and other religions. God the Son or Jesus Christ was God in human form. 
The Holy Spirit lives inside of us when we accept Christ and helps us to grow closer to God. Now, how does the Holy Spirit work? The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. You could look that up in John 16, 8. Second, the Holy Spirit gives us new life. You could look that up in Ephesians 2, 1. Also, John 3, 3 says the Holy Spirit, however, gives us a new life in Jesus Christ. Jesus said no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Three, the Holy Spirit lives in us. You might realize that uh, you were dead spiritually until the Holy Spirit came inside of you. You weren't led by God. But it says, I will put my spirit in you and I will come to live in you. You know, that's what the Bible says. First Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? You know, I have said so many times without the Holy Spirit, I don't have a ministry. I travel the nations. I meet with world leaders, church leaders, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether it's prophecy for the nation, for the person, words of knowledge when I get there, counsel and direction from God. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't have a ministry. Fourth, the Holy Spirit gives you power to serve Christ. Acts 1, 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness. So these are things so important to understand. Invisible, but real. The Holy Spirit's probably the least understood person of the Trinity. We probably understand the Holy Spirit the least, some of us, unless you've studied it. Now, I've studied it in depth. We've offered it in our Bible school. The Holy Spirit, to me, is very important. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions. Uh, he's not a force, you know, a force. I don't like that word. You get in this nonsense on television, people who watch movies. He's not a force. Don't, don't, Associate him with a force because you're watching some stupid movie. He's not a ghost. He's not a second class citizen or a replacement God. He's not an it. He's a person. He's God. So I don't like all of these other things that people say. The force is with us. Uh, what, a demon force? It's not, you don't call the Holy Spirit a force. I think he'd be even angry at that. It's vital for the church to know the Spirit, learn to relate to Him, and understand how He manifests Himself. So, the Holy Spirit, one, is a person. Being a person, the Holy Spirit has feelings. He can be sad, angry, others can insult Him, blaspheme against Him. Isaiah 63.10, yet they rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. So He turned and became their enemy. And he himself fought against them. Some people don't understand. You got God fighting against you. Because you grieve the spirit of God. Matthew 12, 31. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blaspheming against the spirit will not be forgiven. I've said so many times, the Holy Spirit is convicting, 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 convicting. And if you keep rejecting, 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 you have grieved the Holy Spirit, and one of the times he doesn't convict you anymore because you've blasphemed by constantly rejecting him. And if you can't repent of sin, you're the walking dead. That's grieving or blaspheming the Holy Spirit. 
Do we respond to him? Or do we reject, 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 reject until no longer he convicts? And you can do any sin you want. Acts 7.51, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Why did the people of God, Israelites, Hebrews, whatever word you want to say, constantly come under judgment? Why did they live in the wilderness 40 years? It wasn't God's intention. But they kept resisting the leading of the Holy Spirit. They kept resisting the leadership of Moses, who God used. You stiff-necked people. You know, sometimes in today's contemporary world, many pastors could look and say, you stiff-necked people. Man, how long do I have to be with you and teach you and talk, you know? But still, instead of listening, you go to sleep in church. Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. Hebrews 10.29. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, who has insulted the spirit of grace. You know, some people leave the spirit of grace. They get outside of the blood. Only the blood can cover you from judgment. And they totally run away from God now. That's what this is talking about. Insulting the spirit of grace. If you aren't covered under the blood which gives you the grace to escape punishment, you're damned. There's no eternal security if you go outside of the blood. Don't listen to dispensational nonsense out of some denominations that preach a false grace. Two, Holy Spirit has intentions, shows willfulness and discretion, loves, communicates, testifies, teaches, and prays. Nehemiah 9.20 You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. John 15, 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. You know, Jesus talked about this heavily before he ascended. That I must go so my Holy Spirit, the Comforter, can dwell within you and lead you as I am right now. If a person does not want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, how is he leading you? In many respects, you're leading yourself. You say, God is leading me. Well, you're leading yourself the most part. And you don't totally understand God, or his direction, he can't lead you properly. You certainly can't do the will of God with power and authority. That's very clear here. You can't do miracles, but I guess you can talk a little bit about it. It is important to covet and seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
John 15, 26. When the advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify of me. Acts 13, 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I don't know how a church makes decisions without the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how. Here it was very clear. Worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. People that normally don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they don't know the importance of it, seldom do you see them fasting, really. Because nothing, nothing is necessary. I can just pray. Well, you can pray all you want. Probably it's not too effective. There's a, a point of fasting and prayer when it's critical. There's a point of the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you want power and authority, if you want to change the nation instead of talking behind closed doors because you're afraid to confront your friend. There's a need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to give power and authority. We're losing America again because of false teaching or dispensationalists that teach another gospel that nullify the importance of the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's not for today. And you are? It'd be better if you weren't for today either. And get a leader that knows the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Many times church leaders insult the Holy Spirit and they don't even know it. How? You know, negating it. Rejecting it. Teaching against it. Don't you think that's insulting the Holy Spirit? Don't you think God is angry? When Jesus spoke so strongly about go tarry until you receive it. And yet you're so arrogant. Oh, it's not for today. What part of the Bibles are you erasing? You little God. And that's what you act like a little God. I don't like this. So I'll make my own Bible. Romans 8, 26 through 27, in the same way, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to and with the will of God. A lot of times when I pray for people, if they don't tell me anything, I start speaking in tongues. Praying for them in tongues because uh, the Spirit of God knows exactly what they need. Maybe they don't really know what's bothering them. Maybe they don't even know they have a disease and don't realize it. They just feel bad. Well, the Holy Spirit knows all things. And if they don't tell you or you don't receive a word from God, I start to speak in tongues. Because God knows. I value the gift of tongues. Romans 15.30, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. By the love of the Spirit. If it wasn't for the love of God, the Holy Spirit, do we care too much for people? You know, tolerating them is not loving them, and it's certainly not the Holy Spirit's desire to just to tolerate he wants you to love them. 
God died for them, gave his life for them, for them as much as for you, no matter how ugly they are. And the more you're led by the Holy Spirit, the more you don't want to protect your own pride and vanity, the more you're willing to get hurt. Jesus was hurt daily. He was rejected daily. He was crucified and killed. What did he say? The very people killing him. Father, forgive them. This is the love God wants for you and me. You really need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to exhibit that type of love. It's a lack of pride and prejudice. It's love that gives itself to the death. No greater love than to give your life for someone else, the Bible says. For your brother. Who is my brother? It's very clear. Jesus defined it. It's your neighbor. Are you willing to reach out to them? Romans 15.30, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. You want somebody that really exhibits the love of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, to pray for you. That's who you really want. You know, it's like a surgeon. Some people say, well, I can just go to any old surgeon. Well, one might kill you and the other might save you. Literally. And I could tell you so many cases. One of the leading causes of death in hospitals are doctors. That's why you have such a high malpractice. They don't know everything. And some are much better than others. Same with a pastor. Some have anointing, some don't. I didn't understand this as a kid. Oh, why, why do they have to travel so far for this person to pray for them? Because the person next door doesn't have the anointing. Doesn't move with the spirit of God. It's important. First Corinthians 12, 11, All these are the work of one in the same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. The Holy Spirit was present during Jesus' life on earth. Luke one thirty five, and the Holy Spirit was present during each stage of Jesus' life. When the angel appeared to Mary, the mother of Jesus, he declared, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I've heard so many dispensationalists say, oh, the Holy Spirit only came in the New Testament baloney. It's in the Bible. Old and new. It was one book. Later on at the baptism of Jesus, which marked the beginning of his public ministry, the Holy Spirit was present and on this occasion could be seen in material form. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. Matthew 3.16 During his ministry, Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit and had a relationship with him, and he urged his disciples to receive him in their lives. When I ascend, go, Terry, don't even try to represent me until you're baptized with my spirit. Then I will walk in you and through you and continue to do miracles through your human body. I will speak to you, called the comforter, 
The Holy Spirit works in the lives of believers. John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So Jesus put a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. He was the subject of intense prayer. You know, as I've traveled the nation since 85, people can reject the Holy Spirit all they want, but you'll never prove it to me because he operates through me and I see signs and wonders, words of knowledge, prophecy, miracles. Am I doing it? No, it's God in me. You can't tell me that he doesn't exist or I don't need him. I don't have a ministry without him. I rely on him totally. I don't have a ministry without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in the lives of believers. The Holy Spirit was already real and he was about to come. The Spirit dwelled with the disciples, but they lacked having him in in them. If the Spirit of God was so important to the life of Jesus, how much more so for the lives of believers, you and me? How much more? Jesus then went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted and overcame Satan. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to overcome our temptations and to have victory after victory after victory after victory. To be moving in a spirit-led life, the supernatural. That's when Jesus started his miracles on earth. Came out of the wilderness. Can't you see how he did it? Why don't you think you don't need it? Are you going to be like a Sadducee and Pharisee? Well, I'll just talk a little bit. Yeah, pretty ineffective. You know, if you don't have testimonies, I really don't want to hear you. You say, that's that's wrong. Well, sorry. I don't think you even know everything you think you know. I think you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for that counselor to continue to give you direction and wisdom, how to rightly divide the scriptures properly. The Holy Spirit. Genesis 1-2, we find the Holy Spirit moving about the surface of waters. Revelation twenty two seventeen. he will and the bride cry with one voice. From beginning to end, the Holy Spirit has always been active. In the beginning, creating, at the end of the story, tending to us. He comforts us, helps us, guides us, reminds us, teaches us, comes alongside of us, counsels us, intercedes, and advocates for us. There is no area of life in which the believer does not need the help of the Holy Spirit. I need him in everything. So do you. Unless you want to become very critical. A critical, judgmental Pharisee. Without a life full of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to build the body of Christ. Impossible. The gospel, with no emphasis on the Holy Spirit, is flat. 
go to these mainline churches. I mean, it's flat, 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 dead. And filled with sin. See, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. They accept alternate lifestyle and everything else. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. You say, why do they tolerate sin? The baptism isn't in those churches. So what is a critical spirit? You can't build the body of Christ without the Holy Spirit. The gospel with no emphasis on the Holy Spirit, once again, like I shared, is flat. It's dead. In certain moments when there was a special manifestation of God, the New Testament emphatically states that the partakers were filled with the Holy Spirit. This was the experience of many, like John the Baptist, full of the Spirit in his mother's womb. Luke 1.15. Elizabeth, when Mary greeted her. Luke 1.41. Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist, when he prophesied. Luke 1.67. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, was led by the same Spirit into the desert. Luke 4.1. The disciples were filled with the Spirit in the upper room. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up and preached on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.14. The young Stephen, full of the Spirit, saw the glory of God when he was stoned, Acts 7.55-56. If he wasn't filled with the Spirit, I doubt if he would have been stoned because he would have probably denied Christ and ran away. Paul, inspired by the Spirit, rebuked a sorcerer, Acts 13.9-11. And the Holy Spirit works in world evangelism. John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Lord used the legal term convict in order to highlight that even if a man can point out an error, it's the spirit that brings conviction. Breaks the yoke, sets the captives free. He shows the offense, reveals the foolishness of sin, points out the consequences, convinces of guilt, And leads the sinner to repentance. It's the church's greatest ally. Without the help and filling of the Holy Spirit, the evangelistic task of the church will fail. Ladies and gentlemen, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My phone number is 360-629-5248. Website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Go to my website, join Eagle Saving Nations. We've got to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit filling the stadiums again today. God bless you. Shannon? This was a great broadcast today. What would you like to title the message for the archive tonight? The plumb line and the what is the Holy Spirit. Excellent. Dr. Hanson, tell people about how they can make contact with you and support your ministry. Well, they get telephone of 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248. Once again, 360-629-5248. We take all types of credit cards, Visa, MasterCharge, uh, 
American Express, Discover, PayPal. Again, that's MasterCard. Um, Zelle, our reference is warning at worldministries.org. Again, warning at worldministries.org. That's Zelle. Warning at worldministries.org. If they want to write a check, address it to WMI. Then send it to P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Put on the check, WMI. Send it to P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Once again, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. My website, worldministries.org. They can also send it via the website worldministries.org that's worldministries.org they can join Eagle Saving Nations so we can have this great awakening that we have to have if we're going to save the republic and stop judgment Shannon fantastic Dr. Hanson honored to work with you all and we will see you again next week God bless you Shannon thank you my friend God bless you all Okay, we're going to take about a five-minute break. I'm going to set up for our next show. We've got Lena Anamaleche and Mark Shine of 505 Ministries. So take a coffee break or tea break, whatever you're drinking, and we'll be back up in just a few minutes. <laughs> 